It's time debit card users are also included in the cashback fun. Now everyone can get cashback on everyday purchases with Discover Cashback Debit. That includes no fees, period. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank member FDIC. Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. In their masses, get out the way. Just like witches at black masses, get out the way, bitch. Get out the way. Evil minds that plot destruction, get out the way. Sorcerer of death's construction, get out the way, bitch. Get out the way. In the fields of bodies burning, get out the way. Machine keeps turning. Get out the way, bitch. Get out the way. Death and hatred to mankind. Get out the way. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah. Oh, no. Ooh, that was aggressive. <laughs> What's up, guys? It is so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey. I am Ryan Bailey. It is Wednesday. I'm sorry this is coming at you too. I'm going to start over. I'm sorry this is coming to you a little later on Wednesday than usual. Uh, just to fill you in, if you have not listened, it, this week it'll be a little differently than airing in the morning. I think I'll actually be back on schedule tomorrow, so... You won't have to worry about it, but please uh, hang in there with me. I'm having to transfer a lot of audio files. It turns out I have released a lot of content and a lot of episodes, and I'm having to transfer it over to a new system, a new format, which I cannot, not new format, same format, a podcast, but I cannot wait to tell you what is happening, and hopefully I can make that announcement very soon. But I am still churning out content, folks. The train never stops. It is midweek, thank God. Man, once the week starts, it just goes, and I feel like I have... I, I am sorry to anybody in my actual personal life. I have just, I, why is there always lawn work on my street every day? It's like a different house doing lawn work. I'm so sorry. God, 
it's like, I wish we could all just get the lawn work done on one day. Everybody just come out the one day. Like, it's Monday through Friday. I just feel like my dad all of a sudden. Um, so, uh, we'll be back to normal. Uh, nothing is going to be of concern to you, except, uh, I just need you to keep listening. I, uh, I need you, to, I need you to keep listening. Um, how are you guys doing? I already felt like that was a lot. Uh, I just, that was a lot of energy right there. I was listening to, um, I was having to transfer all of these files and I was listening to, uh, some of my earlier episodes and it's so funny. It's just funny. You, I could, he, I could hear a difference, you know, I could hear the fear in my voice in the beginning and it was very, it was Hi, I'm Ryan. I really enjoy all of these shows and I'm very excited to talk. And now I'm like, hey, what's going on with lawn work, huh? The evolution uh, or de-evolution. Um, let's see here. Real Housewives of New York last night. Finally, a great episode. I thought that was great. So much, so much packed in. And by the way, it turns out podcasting is cool. Everybody on Real Housewives of New York was talking about their podcast last night. We we got the return of Heather Holla Thompson. Um, what's up, Mama? What if I went around calling all my friends Mama? Hey, Mama, how you doing, Mama? Oh, I get to see my friend's baby for the first time this weekend. My two friends and a baby. And uh, I finally get to see the baby. And I had to get a Tdap shot, which is like another vaccine. So I don't give the baby whooping cough, which I'm like, is there was there a real... Was there a real risk of me getting a whooping cough? I mean, I, there could be. I just don't know. But I had to get this vaccine, which now I have like competing vaccines in my system. I have the, the Tdap and the uh, COVID vaccine. And I wonder if like the Tdap I'll hear from like Elon Musk. And of course, the, the COVID vaccine is, is Bill Gates. And what if they just give me competing messages? And I'm just like, oh, too many voices in my head. Uh, but I get to see the baby and it's like, it's crazy. That's how much I want to see the baby where I was like, yeah, I'll get a vaccine. Let's, let's, let's see this. Let's see if this baby's cool or not. I'll be the judge if this baby's cool or not. Um, but yeah, Heather Holla Thompson came back last night. We had a classic Ramona and Sonia and Luann, uh, fight. We had Leah taking a vow of silence. That seems like it lasted all of 30 minutes. Um, a lot of stuff happened. And, uh, but they talked about podcasting, like Heather has a podcast, Leah had a podcast, Ebony just started a podcast. Um, and it, it, uh, seems like, uh, podcasting is the cool thing to do now, but seriously, Heather, if you ever come for me on your podcast, I will take you down mama. So good episode of that tonight. We have the, uh, second episode of real housewives of Beverly Hills. Now I talk with our guest today. He is a podcaster himself. You might know his podcast hashtag no filter. His name is Zach Peter, and he is just such a great guy. I've been on his show a bunch of times. In fact, I'm on his podcast today as well. And we had the best conversation. I really, I really strongly urge you. If you want a good conversation about reality shows, Go listen to that. We got to talk about so much cool stuff. And it was just like these kind of broad conversations that we got specific about. And I really, really like his style. And he's coming out with a uh, a canned wine beverage, like the first reality show podcaster to do that. He beat me to it. I was going to release some kind of like Boone's Farm, Charles Shaw. Oh, my God. Ryan, ba- if Ryan Bailey could be in the same breath as Charles Shaw, that would be just amazing. Like two buck Ryan. Um so I was on his pod. I'm so sorry. There is like a weed whacker going off. I 
I'm. Ugh. It's always a good sign when one of your jobs involves waiting for a weed whacker to slow down. Always uh, a sign of maybe a poor poor choice for uh, for a job. Uh, anyways, I want to talk to you about a bunch of stories. I can't do it right now, though. I'm going to go straight into the interview because I got to get back to uploading this audio that I've had issues with for the new thing that I'm going to be announcing uh, soon. But thank you guys so much for your support. Please, uh, if you can, if you haven't, leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really... I can't wait to tell you. It really does help. It really, really does help. If you want more, patreon.com forward slash so bad it's good. I was able to share with them some news yesterday that I was really excited about. And um, just thank you guys for supporting me. I really, really appreciate it. I really appreciate getting to do this and that anybody gives an F about it is just shocking. But I want to talk to you about Caroline Manzo and that whole thing and Larza Pippen going, uh, returning to Miami, Real Housewives of Miami and her her OnlyFans account. So I, I needed to, there's like a slew of stories. But today's interview, we do cover a lot of stories. We get into Ben and J-Lo. We get into the Hills. We get into Beverly Hills, New York. Uh, Vanderpump Rules a lot. I give you some dirt about uh, the new season of Vanderpump Rules in here. Um, but it's a, just a, a great conversation that we ease into, and I think you're going to really dig it. He Zach is just a great guy that appreciates pop culture and reality shows, and he's been doing this for six years, and he's like this young kid, and it's really – he's just a really, um, you know, just really inspiring in, in, I think, podcasting the people that really work are the people that stick with it. The people that you can tell this is more than just, you know, um, a fly by night flash in the pan kind of thing. They're in it to win it and they're in it for the long haul. And uh, Zach uh, seems to be one of the forefront uh, of people who do that. So uh, I hope you guys are having a good week. Um, what's it like out there? I have not been outside my house, it feels like, in two days. Um, and I'm just trying to get through the week and and hoping I can I, – brighter days are ahead. I'm sorry if I have not been able to get back to your DMs or emails. I'm just trying to get this one thing done and keep this podcast going. And then I think on Friday, everything will be back to normal. Oh my God. Did I just make a sound effect? What is wrong with me? Okay. You guys, without further ado, his podcast is hashtag no filter. His name is Zach Peter. Here he is. Zach Peter. Uh, welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. I am Ryan Bailey. How is everybody doing? Uh, I hope well. Uh, it has been a little crazy over here and uh, very exciting. I can't wait to share with you everything that is going on. But just trust me, it involves me uh, screwing up technically again and again and again, where I'm beating my head against a wall in my computer. But that is no concern of yours because today we have such an amazing guest. I have been on his podcast a bunch of times. This is his first time on my podcast. He is OG. I mean, we're going to find out how long he's been doing this, why he's been doing this, but I was just on his podcast and we had the best conversation. And I, I really strongly recommend uh, if you're already hating this right now, go to his and listen to that conversation and just have it count as mine because it was, I'm telling you guys, it was a great conversation that really covered so much Bravo and just uh, really all uh, just a great conversation. I'm very jealous already of that podcast. Cause I know, I know I'm not going to do as good on this one, but uh, he is going to do great on this one. You know him as the podcast host of hashtag no filter. Uh, but what you don't know is he, I think is possibly the first reality show pop culture podcaster that has his own beverage line. It's going to be la launching, I believe in the beginning of June, we're going to find out all about this. Uh, but you know, him, you love him, Zach, Peter, welcome to the show. Hi, Ryan Bailey. How are you? 
I'm good. I mean, we just, we just talked. I mean, I, what if I, what if I was all of a sudden doing horribly in between? I'm like, I'm not good. I just, uh, I just hated that last conversation. Not good. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're a great, I always love having you on my show because you're always so honest and we have such hot takes. Even when we don't always agree, we have such a good conversation about the shows or the characters on these different reality shows because we just have like that deep appreciation, like Bravo reality TV at this point just is like pumping in my blood, in my veins. Well, I don't. And I think that's actually really important is that you you said is even when we don't agree. And I think if this year has taught us anything, I mean, we definitely do not all have to agree, but it is you can have actually really fun conversations, enlightening conversations where somebody can have a different. I, I, this is crazy, you guys. You can, and I just found this out. You can have a differing opinion from somebody else and you can appreciate that opinion. You can learn from that opinion. It might not be your opinion, but I think maybe just maybe there is a uh, room on both sides, right? I completely agree. <laughs> so um, let's get into it. I, I mean, you guys, he uh, told me that he has a beverage line and I do need to talk about this right off the bat because it blew me away. What, what is this? How did it start? What, what's going on? Cause I see the cans right there. <laughs> so I'm calling this my housewives watching wine. And so I partnered with this brand called Elix that specializes in helping like create custom customized beverages. And so when I was talking to them or, or actually prior to my conversations with them, I wanted to do something sort of fun to kind of connect this community that I've built with my podcast, hashtag no filter over the past. I mean, now, it's I think been six years since I started the show and that's an evolution and story in and of itself getting to the six yeah. year arc but I wanted to do something like I know a lot of other podcasters like you have a great Patreon you have a great daily podcast that like there were things that other podcasters were doing that I thought were really great but this just didn't feel organic to me or people had like merch that they had launched. And I was like, I want to do something that's fun that connects us while we're watching all of these housewives shows. And I was like, well, what is my, as Bethany Franco would say, what's my brand? And I was like, well, oh, no, I love to drink. I don't love hangovers and I love reality TV. So I combined all of those three things in this new partnership with Alex to create my housewives watching wine. So it's one light crisp rosé that has zero sugar, lower in sulfates it's organic so you're not going to have like a gnarly wine headache tomorrow but each of the cans is designed around different some of my favorite like iconic housewives moments so i have like this one right here that says i'm ready to flip a table <laughs> this one that says i stole kim's goddamn house um you got and the cans look beautiful i mean like I, I told him on his podcast i said lover boy uh, has to has to watch out i said hannah burner needs to be a spokesman so she can go directly up against lover boy because i just was shocked about like, to me, this is like, this is like mogul status. Like this is like to have a want, like I was like, what could I do? I was like, maybe you do like a so bad it's good gasoline or something <laughs> like that, like a, a petrol or something. But like, this truly is kind of cool. And it's like the perfect audience for this stuff. And I think you guys, I'm getting some cans. So I will be doing a taste test when I get these. And so when does this come out? When, when can we get them? So it launches June 10th. Right now you can go to nofilterwine.com and you can sign up to be notified. But June 10th, they'll officially be on sale only for this summer. It's a limited run. 
depending on, you know, the reception, we may do more in the future, but it'll just be a, a summer launch. And it's fun. Like each of the cans is themed differently. I put a little tagline on the side of the can that says, I may spill the tea, but I'll never spill my wine. And so, you know, every detail of these cans was very much thought out. They're cute. They're very Instagram worthy. And so I'm just excited to finally like not keep it a secret and to be able to share it with the world. Can you do one that says like, I hate Lisa Rinna? Can that be a can? Or I hate Jax Taylor? I don't hate Lisa Rinna. I, I, that's actually a good one, Blocked by Jax Taylor. Blocked, blocked by Jax Taylor would be a great one. Are you, are you that, that would be, it's just, just black tar. Um, uh, I love this idea. And also I love the thought, what if somebody gets wasted on this? One of these, like one of these women fans that listen and they get pregnant because they drank too much of your oh canned wine. Wouldn't that be insane? And then they I named the, the baby oh. Zach. That is, a, so it's funny you brought that up because that is a reality. So these cans are 12.8% alcohol. Like there's no sugar and it's, <laughs> it's, it's good. It's, it's a better alternative, like, oh, like some of the other conventional wines, but I was like, I want this to get you Liddy city. Wait, so, Zach, 12.8. That's pretty high, isn't it? <laughs> four cans is equivalent to one bottle, Ryan. Oh, so you can just like really, you have to be careful uh, drinking. You have to definitely like drink responsibly because they're like, wrong. I like that there's a warning potentially where it just comes with, just like, hey, just be careful, okay? Just, you're going to spill just, some tea after drinking this wine. Like You should, you should number the cans like one, two, three, and four. So by the time they get to the fourth, it should say on the can, like, just be careful. Like you got to <laughs> designate a driver. Um, Okay, I want to talk about how you got started, but first I want to hit you with some uh, information to, to get your opinions on this. Yes. I was uh, scrolling the cesspool that is Twitter, mm. and I was uh, I was looking at some ratings for Bravo uh, from a, a great site called At Ratings Bravo, and they were giving the Beverly Hills ratings. And I was uh, so the season premiere; they were late on their ratings. They just gave them today, and season eleven, episode one. 0.949 million viewers and the 18 to 49 demo, which is the, that's the demo you guys at advertisers look at because, you know, they're saying, you know, that's the people that are really buying things or they want to, to advertise to 0.32. Wow. So that is extremely low for a season premiere. And they're even saying you know, they thought this was going to get two to three million viewers, potentially. That's what they were hoping for because of the Erica Jane and all this promo. And so New York and uh, Jersey got higher premiere ratings than Beverly Hills. What's your opinion of this? I think they really screwed up with the trailer. The trailer looks good, but the trailer doesn't give us anything. The trailer makes it look like, because I know I've heard a lot of feedback from people on the in the Twitter sphere or on Instagram that are like, oh, she's not going to give us anything. She's not going to talk about it. But the other women in their interviews are like, she actually talks about it more than we were expecting her to talk about it. But if you just watch the trailer, which is the the opening gates to the season, it looks like she's just avoiding all the questions. So as a viewer, either a new person that's just following the scandal or a seasoned housewives connoisseur like you and I are, I would watch the trailer and think, oh, 
she's not going to, this isn't going to be interesting because she's not going to give us anything. She's just going to avoid the questions all season long. Now I have inside sources with Beverly Hills. That's probably one of the, the only franchises or the franchise that I have the closest ties to. And so what I've been told is that she is talking about it, but you don't get any glimpse of what that actually looks like. So people just think like, oh, she's going to give us the runaround and this isn't going to be entertaining. I don't want to watch her. You know what I mean? People, I, the, the people don't realize you're like, yeah, she can talk about it. Doesn't mean she's going to tell the truth about it. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like talking about it and telling the truth are two different things. Like I would almost be willing. Remember like how they used to do on E? I don't know if you remember, they did like the Michael Jackson trial or the OJ Simpson trial. And they, you guys, they had actors for the OJ Simpson trial where they did the day because they didn't allow cameras in the courtroom and they actually hired actors to do the court transcripts. And it was like the weirdest thing. This was in the like, God, the early, late nineties, early two thousands. And it was so bizarre. It was on E every day. And wouldn't you kind of love if Bravo did the same thing with like Jen, Sean, Erica, Jane, where they hired actors to do the court transcripts. That would be amazing. In fact, that's not a bad idea. You know what we need to do? We need to get those transcripts and do like Bravo theater. Like we used to reenact, like we can each play a character. Like you, if you want to be coach Shaw and I can, you know, like we, we just cast it really weird. And then we read the transcripts every day. That would be amazing. Um, I would, I want to be Lisa Barlow though. Just like yeah. from the sidelines. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I do find the Erica Jane, uh, see, we were talking on his podcast, you guys, that, you know, there's a lot of different people that watch this, the, these shows. And I think there's people that take them very seriously. They take them at face value. So, you know, people are really behind Erica Jane because they, you know, they take, they don't really look any deeper than that. And then I think there's people like us and, and I don't mean just, you know, me and Zach, I mean, all you guys where you do look at it deeper, you look at all of these things, you, you understand there's a social media element to all of this, but I do watch these shows and I don't need Erica Jane to talk about it. I, for one, I was cracking up that they, it felt like the producers were trolling her with her over, over uh overfill closet her overflow closet and all of her jewelry and all of that stuff it felt really insane did you get that sense oh 100 and that's what i love with the editors because i don't even know if the producers are always fully aware but it comes in the post-production where you get the shit especially like at reunions or like those moments where a reality star gets caught on camera and then you see all the series of flashbacks like those moments are the moments i live for on these shows because like you can just see the subtle shade that these editors that I'm pretty sure they've edited these shows for so many years that at this point they're like, I get to see the real Erica Jane. And you know what? Fuck that bitch. I'm going to show all her shit so that she looks more guilty than she actually is. Do you know that one clip in the trailer where it's like a tight shot of her in the car and she like looks directly at the camera and it's like almost like a Hitchcock, like who did it look? But I'm like, how did they get that? Sh- I mean, like, did they tell her to look directly in the camera? Cause I was like there, remember there is a camera there. And so there's a person in the car with the camera pointing directly at Erica Jane's face because it's a haunting image. Um, I, I just sometimes wonder like how much, see, I was, uh, you guys got to go listen to Zach's pod. Cause I was talking about, I just get really paranoid now of like what I'm seeing is true or not there's also and my friend has a, a big screen tv so I, I i noticed this more than a smaller screen is that they'll show like they'll show the beverly hills preview and then they'll end it with like real housewives of beverly hills wednesdays and they'll show still frames and the one of erica jane comes up and it looks like her face is just like full of like 
I think what they're trying to let us believe is it's tears. But to me, it just looks like somebody just threw water on her. You got to see this image. It's so bizarre. Um, I think she's being advised or she thinks that she can win everybody over. I think she thinks that's what this season is for her. And it's not that she can't. It's just that she's definitely not trying hard enough to do that. Like, I just think like her social media is so tone deaf. I don't know. Like part of me, there's even like an ounce of me that's like, you know what? I actually want to root and believe that maybe she really didn't know just to like have some sort of redemption arc. You know what I mean? Just for the story sake of it all is like, I want to believe that maybe it isn't what we actually think that it is, but she's not doing herself any favors. Like when her, her attorney went off and filed a motion to have her receive a cut of the house before the victims get paid. And then she posts on her Instagram story. Oh, I have the best lawyer in New York or sorry, in Chicago. And it's just like, like, I want to root for you, but like you keep just making yourself look so bad that I'm like, I think, I think too also is that our lives have been so hard this last year. Yeah. I think some of us want people to pay the price. You know, I think we're like, ah, oh, man, like, come on. Like, and it's the same thing kind of holds over to Jen Shaw. Like Jen, you're just going to keep on going. Like you're just going to keep doing, you're just going to act like nothing happened and like be kind of, I just don't, th- I think it's a tone deaf in a weird way. And I can see like, well, obviously these are very ego driven people and that's why they are there to begin with. That's why. But at the same time, I think it gets to a point where, and I'd be curious like to, Harvard, Yale, reach out to me. Let's do a study on this. But like, I would be curious of like what happens in the brain that makes you keep moving instead of pulling back and and trying to really plot out what's going to actually let you survive this situation and not just stay on TV. I mean, it could be that her survival strategy is airtime and camera time because I mean, what is she going to do after this? She doesn't have any money from Tom. All she can really do is continue to pimp out her Fenty um, and her instagram deals but like what does life look like for these women if it's not living it out on television and now that we've already set the stage with Teresa judice being able to come out of prison with a million dollar contract and a million dollar book deal and be able to kind of pay off all her debts and have that redemption arc i think these women are like all i can do is put all my eggs in this one basket and hope that i get a book deal and something from this to come Well, Teresa is a very interesting uh, case study on this because, and I really don't mean to make fun of Teresa, but I think, I think Teresa for better, I mean, I don't think Teresa is the smartest, uh, you know, bulb in the batch, but I will say for Teresa is that she faced the music. Yeah, she, she did it. She went to jail. She paid off the fines. We might not have agreed with a lot of things, but they both paid for what they did. Um, you know, I was shocked to find out that she was like supporting Joe uh, Giudice still or Giudici still and and all of that. I mean, but you have to say she faced the music and she did this where Erica Jane and Jen, I think they are going to do everything in their power to not ever face the music. But you have to remember, Teresa didn't face the music at first either. There were all the tabloids coming out. There's the scene with her and Caroline where Jacqueline oh, had yeah. the tabloids on the table. And Caroline's like, you're crazy. And she's like, you're crazy. Such an like one of my favorite scenes. Um, 
But like Teresa didn't face the music until she actually, until the verdict was in and she was like, well, shit, now I have to go to prison. And now I just have to, whereas Jen and Erica, like this is all still new. This is le- we're less than a year into both of these scandals breaking that like they're gonna reject it until they have to face the music. Now, I, I, I'm sure you know, as I don't know if you guys know listening, but like uh, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City wrapped uh, production two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So that was a that's a really quick season. And part of me wonders, are they going to try to jam in two more seasons before like Jen has to like face any or because the trial starts with like October. Uh, I think it's like the the day after BravoCon. Yeah. So uh to me, I was like, that's a, that feels like a very quick season from when they started to where they ended, which means like, wow, they must've had more than enough or they're trying to jam in two seasons before Jen has to potentially go to jail. Possibly. I think they, I don't know. That's because they also, and they did the same thing with Vanderpump, which I thought was so interesting that they announced that the show, when the shows were coming back, I wasn't expecting Salt Lake city until like January or even like November. And even with, Vanderpump. I wasn't expecting Vanderpump until January, but Bravo announced that they're coming back this fall where I'm like, they haven't even really finished filming the season. So I don't know what Bravo's doing in terms of like their scheduling lineup. Maybe it's like a backlog on because of COVID and the delays that we've had. I honestly don't know, but it it looks like we're going to get it pretty soon, which looks like it's going to be a shorter season. I expected them to at least be filming up until Jen's court. I a hundred percent did. I was very shocked, which made me think like, okay, maybe they're just trying to make two seasons out of this. That makes which sense. I think is a, is a smart move, but it, 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 it uh, which by the way, are you, you're definitely going to go to BravoCon, right? I might be going to BravoCon if I'm in town. I might not be in the country in at that time. What is it? What are you run, running away from something? This no, sounds so. I, I'm, I'm I'm part of Jen Shaw's telemarketing. I know. Geez, I, have to, I no, might be I, out. Of... Yeah, there's a project that might be happening that I might have to be doing at that time. Well, now so, I want to find out more about this project. Jeez, this sounds my... better than BravoCon. So if I'm there, I would love to be at BravoCon. I would love to moderate one of the stages, <laughs> uh, one of the panels on stage. But right now, it's like all up in the air in terms of scheduling. I think I'm going to, I'm definitely going to go. I'm going to wear a sandwich board that says the podcast and I'm, or I'm going to do one of those, uh, be one of those sign flippers. Like you see out of subway with a sign and they'll flip around the sign, you know, like the sign dancers. I'm going to roll up in a skinny girl ca- car, but it's just going to be with my brand, my, my wine on it. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, okay. So speak, you, you brought up Jersey and Teresa and all that stuff, which by the way, one of the most iconic photos of Teresa, uh, of her in prison with her prison friends you know the one I'm talking about with them all yes, in there yes. and they're all like surrounding Teresa. And it's like, it kind of made prison seem fun. I was like, man, I, I was like, I want friends like that. Like I, do you ever have fantasies? Not about well, prison, but like, I always say like, if, if I find out prison gets Wi-Fi, I'll fucking kill somebody tomorrow. I'll go, I, I will, I'll happily go to jail. If I find out they have like streaming services and stuff like that, like just put me away right now isolate me from the world and yeah, exactly. yeah. wait can we by the way did you hear that one guy billy mcfarland who was the uh in charge of the fire festival and he did yeah. you read uh he tried to do a podcast you guys from prison and it was just through prison phone calls so they would be like 15 minute podcasts of and 
then uh, prison found out and said, you can't do that, which I find just like hysterical that he was trying to be an entrepreneur in prison. I mean, props to the dude, though. He was, you know, trying to be a, a prison mogul. He was trying yeah. to pave um, way for other jailmates. Speaking of uh, moguls and, uh, you know, is that we are potentially in a summer of hot mogul summer because Bill Gates recently uh, announced his divorce with Melinda Gates. And so we've got Bill Gates. We got Jeff Bezos, who just stepped down. He said his last uh, day as the CEO of Amazon is going to be over the summer. Are we in the are we like in a summer of like hot moguls? Are we going to see Bill Gates dating potentially Olivia Rodrigo? Who do you think? Like, wait, by the way, Bill Gates, Erica Jane, what do you think? Uh, I mean, Come on, she, Bill Gates being sexy. He, like. he was having sex with Tom Girardi. So, I mean, I don't know. I, <laughs> I mean, but isn't it crazy that we have now come as a society where moguls are a part of celebrity pop culture. Like I go into daily mail every day and now I see multiple and they, they moved from the world section to the entertainment section, which is a fascinating because like, they're like Bill Gates spotted out with his daughter in New York shopping, you know? And I'm like, huh? Like we're really trying to make Bill Gates part of the celebrity conversation. Is that something he requested? I don't know if it's something he requested, but I think it's definitely, it's interesting. It's like when we started, oh, it's interesting that we made business moguls celebrities before we made like Instagram famous people celebrities. Like we're still rejecting like the the girl with the million followers on Instagram from like making her into a, a celebrity, but yet we're going to take like Jeff Bezos and like, like who's I'm sure way less interesting. I don't know. It's, it's you, have, you have Jeff Bezos, uh, uh, Elon Musk, who hosted SNL the yeah. other week. I mean, we it, we're really blurring the lines of what celebrity is. And we've been doing it since the invention of social media. Everything is blurred. And I was listening to a podcast the other day where they were talking about, you know, Los Angeles kind of took a turn when you started to be able to be famous for just being famous. Yeah. You, you could be famous without really any kind of um, actual talent. And we've seen that to great, I mean, like Paris Hilton, we were talking about that on your podcast. I love, I mean, I really enjoyed the Paris Hilton documentary. I really appreciated her work ethic to try to, you know, do as much as she could, but there is still somebody that started off just as being a character, you know, there wasn't real, you know, she wasn't playing the piano at like a master level. She was just being herself and that's where pop culture. And that's why the housewives kind of exist to a degree. Don't you think? No, I completely agree. And it's interesting to see how that whole world of pop culture has really changed. And I think that's why we get so disappointed sometimes in some of these like housewife shows or these traditional talents that we fell in love with at one point is because like we're resistant to the change and the evolution. I mean, like the whole world of entertainment has changed with streaming services competing with television. And then you have social media that's become like entertainment and reality TV in and of itself that like everything is just one kind of big blur and i'm curious to see how long that's going to go before we're like this is too much we need to box everybody up again well i mean do you ever worry about like i i am so invested in all of these people's lives that i forgot to get invested in my own life do you ever get worried about yes. that yes and i'm like shit i haven't had sex i'm like you know x number of weeks like i need to find intimacy that's a, pod that's a podcast exclusive you guys podcast exclusive <laughs> i don't remember the last time i had sex it's been a minute, but I mean, <laughs> well, with your, with your new canned wine, you're going to have plenty of sex this summer. 
we'll see. Yeah, we'll we'll. See. <laughs> I I feel like at this point it's been so long that like this is prime real estate that I'm like you have to earn this now. Like I've already shown that I can wait this long that like you have to earn this new version of me. Oh my God. My, I don't want anybody to own this new version of me. This is like pandemic version of me. I'd like want to get back to the pre pandemic version of me. Like I can't imagine, like it's, it's so interesting to, you know, start thinking about your personal space again and, yeah. and sharing it with other people. I was at Tom Tom uh, this weekend with some friends and uh, it was fascinating. It was packed. It was fascinating. Lisa and Ken, Ken was hobbling up there and with the dog and, and it was, it was packed and it was really cool and exciting, but at the same time, really scary and disorienting because it feels like a fever dream whenever you go out in public now, which by the way, I've got, uh, I've got tea for everybody. So this is fascinating. This is something you're probably only here here and I'll kill anybody that says, tells people this. So Vanderpump rules because of until June 15th, the laws, they can't film inside the restaurant um, it has it has to be less than 15 people, including the crew. So they can't come in there yet on a Saturday night or a Friday night or something like that. So they're doing scenes in there on their days off on Monday and Tuesday, which is the restaurant's days off. Um, that'll change on June 15th. But that's I, I found that fascinating because I was like, wow, this is, we're packed here. Why isn't there cameras? And I found out they cannot shoot uh, because of uh, that L.A. law, which I found really interesting. And another good well, I was there for a friends and family night um, like two weeks ago and it was during, it was like five in the afternoon or something. And we were sitting outside and the music was playing and all of a sudden um, porn uh, sounds came on. Like, yeah, uh, like it, it interrupted the music and it, it was like, <laughs> and so, I mean, it was just like one of those, what? And, and obviously it's, it was like somebody was watching porn on their phone and it must've gotten hooked into the Bluetooth, Bluetooth of Tom Tom. So porn was playing. And then I hear, cause all the Vanderpump cast was in Palm Springs filming. Right. And I hear that moment is going to be uh, in the show of like, how could this happen? You know, like, so. I oh, that's that makes sense. That makes sense. Spoiler well, alert. Yeah. I'm hoping that like I get a shout out on Vanderpump Rules this season the way I did on Summer House. So wait, wait, yeah. I want to wait, wait. Just let me. T so you guys, Zach is the person that you know this because I brought this up about on the Lindsay interview. Zach is the person that was talked about in the season premiere of Summer House this season because he's the podcast that uh, that Hannah went on and mm -hmm. talked shit about Lindsay. And then it was actually featured uh, with his, you know, face and the audio and stuff like that. And that's why I begged Lindsay, please say something really bad about Hannah so I can be on the season premiere of this next season of Summer House. But you did the same thing with the Lala and Sheena feud, correct? Yes. So I, yeah. So back to real quickly to Hannah and Lindsay. So Hannah talks so much more shit about Lindsay and Carl in that interview that I was surprised at what clip they actually ended <laughs> up using. Um, and I had to like, they reached out to me ahead of time and they're like, we need you to sign a release for the cover art and the audio. So I knew that that was coming. I didn't know it was going to be in the premiere, but with Vanderpump, I'm like, I basically set them up for this feud that should be on the show, which I'm hearing has probably already been resolved, which I 
Like if anything was going to make me tune into Vanderpump aside from just like- It looks like they're all friendly, Sheena. Yeah, I was like, I was waiting for this feud to blow, like production, I set you up for this. So I had the Sheena interview, the Ariana interview and the Lala interview, all which like blew up in the headlines where like Sheena accused Lala of lying. Lala said that Ariana doesn't give a fuck about her. Ariana's like, I'm team Sheena, you know, talking about unfollowing each other that like, I was like, oh, this season of Vanderpump is going to be good because there's going to be a big feud. And now you see all their social media photos and they're all like chummy chummy with each other. Well, I I kind of, I I see it a little bit. I mean, like you got to play nice to begin with and hopefully some stuff will like come out throughout. But I think about it also in the terms of, um, you know, I don't, did you watch the show friends? Yes. So their reunion or their, uh, they're coming back on HBO max tomorrow on Thursday. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they all agreed. I mean, people are forgetting they, they got paid like $4 million each to do this. Yeah. So it was like an easy yes. But, um, part of it is that, you know, we want drama, but at the same time, I do know that I do like when people get along it too. I mean, like I, I like to see that until cracks uh, happen, like at summer house, like I loved all the drama, but also I loved when I saw like them all get wasted and pee into bushes. Like there, you yeah. know, it's a nice, like a nice balance is there, but I think that is always with friends is that you want to see these people that you grew up watching or love watching. You want to see them get along for the most part. Like I would hate if all of a sudden the show air and you see like, man, David Schwimmer and, uh, uh, Matt LeBlanc hate each other. Like that would be, that would be upsetting. And I think if we were to start the show, like, I don't even know why Lala is still on the show. Like to me, I'm like, this is, makes no sense. But if it is, if Lala came in that first episode and was like, fuck you, Sheena, fuck you, I would be once again like, God, Lala, why the fuck are you here? Get the fuck off the screen. Yeah. Um, you know? But I think but part of falling in love with those relationships is seeing conflict and resolution. You know, you yeah, yeah. there's so much conflict already and you haven't really seen or come face to face with anybody in over a year, which they've been separated for like, I would say about a year and a half now since they wrapped filming for the last season because they didn't film the reunion together. Um, so that's built up conflict that's gonna have to naturally like if i'm talking shit about you ryan on a podcast and it's making all these headlines and i'm continuing to double down on that then all of a sudden if we have to film the show together and i see you in the first day i just walk up to you i'm like hey ryan what's up and i'm giving you a hug like that just is so disingenuous and i think as audience members we would see right through that by the way, if we can start more podcast drama, I feel like it's only good for both of our brands. <laughs> we should start a podcast drama and then see if I, we can get us see if we can get us weekly to pick it up. Because by the way, you guys, last night Real Housewives of New York, they got to that final dinner table scene, and the whole scene was everybody had a podcast at the table. Like Heather Hulla Thompson had a podcast. Leah said she had just finished her podcast. Ebony had just launched her podcast. I mean, Luann, Sonia, and Ramona need to get in the game. In fact, they should do like a threesome podcast with those ladies. But like, I feel like we're making podcasts cool again, but it's like, yeah, hey, have your podcast. I swear to God, we'll outlast you. We will outlast you. Bring it. Um, So what do you expect out of Vanderpump Rules this season? Are you excited at all? I know you did talk to all of those people on your podcast, but what I get worried about is we were talking on your podcast just a second ago of the... You know, if you're looking at the reality of these situations, what's the reality that these people are still in each other's lives? I mean, it just doesn't make tons of sense. What do you expect to see? What do you hope to see? I think it's going to be interesting to watch because like Lala's friends and Lala, I forgot about Katie. She's not very memorable. Um, (laughs) Lala's friends with 
Kristen and Jax and Stassi, you know, and they have that mommy click all together that like that's the genuine group that she's friends with. She's not close with Sheena. She's not close with Ariana. She doesn't really care about Raquel. Like she has a friendship with James that they called Raquel a Bambi eyed bitch last season. She hooked up with Ariana and then made fun of her, which I still like, I hold that. I, I can't help it. I don't know if you're the same way. I take that shit personally where I have not forgiven Lala and Lala probably has no idea who I am, (laughs) but I have not forgiven her because I'm like, how do you do that? And then we saw those pictures of them hanging out at uh, the Belmont all together. I'm like, you know, poor Ariana's there. They're all smiling, but I'm just like, how would you ever trust Lala when you know she is good friends with Jax and Stassi? And like, that's when you see like, Lala is just playing the game. And like, I don't feel like it's genuine. It's, it's upsetting. I hope she gets called out on it. I don't think Lala or Sheena should have come back for Vanderpump Rules. Like, well, Sheena, come on, this is Sheena's moment. Like the fact Sheena's that she was already the fact she was already in Palm Springs two weeks after giving birth and like a full uh, Richella. I mean, that to me, that is Sheena. Sheena is the only one that I kind of do want to see with her baby because I know she'll be a great mom, but it'll yeah. be funny as hell. Like, I mean, I don't mean funny because she's going to be a bad mom. It's going to be funny because it's Sheena. And we know she like, this is what she's destined for that in pop stardom. Yeah. And we've already seen her do pop stardom. So I want to, that is the only one I'm kind of curious. Yeah. Of no, I'm, I'm curious about Sheena and Lala the most, just because they're going to have the biggest transition Lala, because I'm curious to see how she's going to in, integrate with this group of people that she's not really friends with. Like even if Katie and Ariana don't really like each other, they see each other often because their husbands work together. You know what I mean? Or they're, I guess Tom and Ariana aren't married, but like Tom, Tom is a business entity together that like Sheena, I mean, uh, Katie and Ariana have to have some sort of relationship. Sheena and Ariana are friends. So that's genuine. They're actually friends with James and Raquel. And I guess Charlie, who I know you're a fan. I don't give a shit about Charlie TBH, but like um, there's like an actual friend group there that Lala just doesn't fit into. So Lala being a mom and now Lala having to integrate into this group. I'm curious to see how that goes. I'm with you on the fact that I would love to see Sheena in this new chapter of her life in a healthy relation, in a seemingly healthy relationship. And now as a mother would love to watch that. But like for the most part, the fact that that conflict has already been seemingly resolved. I do have someone that um, a producer on the show that has told me that the show, the season's already crazy. I don't know if I actually believe. Yeah, but who, which, which producers are like, you know what? The season's pretty bland so far. Like no, no producers yeah. like, you know what? We're not getting what we need to, you know? Yeah. So for me, it's just like, I don't know what to expect. For me, I thought that we had like such a huge miss of following the storyline of if we were, if the show was truly about the restaurants, then I I feel like in, in 2020, we had such a miss of following the storyline of Lisa Vanderpump and her restaurants and following that story arc, which would have been a great genuine way to have Lisa on the show instead of forcing her into these dra- this drama with the younger kids. 
Well, it became the last season of like kids explaining things to Lisa. She's like, what's going on here, darling? It's like, well, this person's hooking up with this person. And, and, but you're right. This would have been one of the only reality shows to show the reality of what LA restaurants and and restaurants across this country went through. And like, come on, like you would have been able to like go into employees who were not making any money. You would have gone, like you could have done like Tom and Tom filming their cameos to help their employees. You had so much actual drama and like to, to really show that honestly would have been kind of amazing, but that's why I kind of was disappointed when they came back and I was like, do they have a, do they have a plan? Like, it just seems like they don't have a plan sometimes. And I, and I talked to one girl who was offered a role this season and she turned it down and uh, stopped working at Sir. And the money was just insanely low, but I was just like, wow. So they're just, it just felt like they don't know what they're doing. Like, and I hate to say that, but I, I mean, like, I just want to know what is going on production wise. I want to know why certain decisions are made. I don't know, do a DVD commentary, you guys, or something, because I, I just really do. I'm curious, like, is I just, I'm so scared they'd be like, uh, hey, uh, I don't know. We were just seeing what what would work. I don't know. We, we didn't have a plan. We just wanted to get something out there. We also haven't heard anything about casting or like any new, like there's well, speculation. Ryan, Ryan Malati is uh, a, a new cast member. He works at Sir, but he was also on Are You the One on MTV. Yes, I heard that too. And he's a magician. So that's exciting. I bet we'll see a, a magic scene with him like, ah, where's the, hey, I made the condom disappear. Um, so uh, do you see, and I don't know if you know this, Jax Taylor has produced his third film. Uh, yesterday, he posted on Instagram, he posted a photo, which I'm blocked, so I couldn't see, but a lot of people sent it to me of him on a, a seat with eyeglasses on, but his sunglasses were in his, you know, hooked in there. And he was looking at one paper and he goes, I'm so lucky. I can't believe I'm producing my third film right now. And I don't know what Jax knows what producing is. I don't know if he's talking about bowel movements. I don't know what he's, he actually produced a baby. We have proof of that. But him being a production assistant on one of Randall's set is not producing. A, like, I just think it. this is one of Jax's huge lies. Do you have any opinion on this? Do you think Jax has produced his third film over the pandemic? In his head, I'm sure he has. Um, I mean, I'm just waiting for the days until he starts an OnlyFans account. See, but that to me would be honest to me. That would be like, I'm, I'm doing, this is what I'm doing. And this is something I'm doing. And, but although you would also know he would like hit it for like one week and then just be lazy with it. Yeah. But like this bullshit of just like this posting things, but it goes into what I was saying earlier that there's two types of people. There's people that believe Jax and everything he says that go, Oh my God, good for him. He's doing his third film. Look at, wow, his, his redound, he really did mean, you know, I bet his dad's real proud to, to what I think of like, well, that's just a complete lie. And Randall goes, yeah, man, post whatever you want, dude. I'll back you up. Like, well, cause not Randall, producing. Yeah. Randall's also like, and I'm pretty sure there's like a Jax is giving Randall money for the film. Like Randall was able to tell Jax, like you give me money to back the film and we can consider you a producer. Like, I'm pretty sure there was like that sort of conversation between Jax and, and Randall and Randall's of course going to back him because like it's giving Randall publicity and attention. And we know Randall loves publicity and attention. 
I will say there is something to be very uh, to a watchful eye of and the fact that Randall agreed to do this season of Beverly Hills. You know, also, there was an article that I talked about on the podcast a couple of weeks ago from Vulture called King of the Geezer Teasers, all about Randall's business dealings and his producing. I'm telling you, if he was as rich as Lala or anybody wants to believe, he would not be on this season of Vanderpump Rules. There is nothing. It, it goes into that Erica Jane, Jen Shaw category is that you got to worry about people. You know, because uh, Bill Murray has that famous quote, you know, oh, the people are like, it must be great to be rich and famous. He's like, well, it's probably pretty great to be rich. I don't need the fame part of it. You know, like that, that kind of actually makes it a little harder to enjoy your rich. And I think that a lot with Randall, too. I think he potentially needs this at this point. You know, he needs that awareness. He might even need that little paycheck that's coming in. I think, you know, eventually... I, I mean, I, I, I just think eventually we might find out more about Randall's business dealings. You know, and it, it's what I said to you earlier is that I don't know if there's any real wealth anymore, or if it's just people like cheating and stealing their way no. to the top. Yeah, it's all smoke and mirrors at this point. Like, it's just the wealth is not real. Like, okay, there's Jeff Bezos wealth. But yeah, yeah, then, yeah. Like, but but like reality TV wealth, like, are there really like you look at people like Tiffany Moon, who was wealthy, but then she's like, I don't need the show. I'm willing to walk away from all of this because like, I actually have a job and a family and like, I don't need this that like real wealthy people don't need the ego boost or whatever. You know what I mean? Even with Lisa Vanderpump, we're seeing her restaurants are struggling and failing when she's not on television and her finances are taking a hit that, you know, she has money, but it's just not like there's a struggle there. Well, exactly. I mean, I I just, uh, I don't know where this all heads. It's, It's interesting that this gets played out on our screens now, which I kind of really, I love that, but I'm, I'm worried the culture of celebrity and pop culture, it all kind of plays out now in, it all just feels like one thing. And to go to uh, like other, uh, I mean, how did you get into all of this? How did you get into your love of reality shows? What is your background? Where are you from? Like what, what started all of this? Well, I, you know, I was basically raised by reality television. My parents are Chris Jenner and Flavor Flav. I so- knew it. I knew it, you guys. I, I didn't want to ask, but I'm glad he, he offered the information up. So I've, I've just always had such like a deep appreciation for reality TV. I used to love watching Flavor of Love, Rock of Love, The Hills, which I know came a little later, but even prior to that, like I just was so fascinated with unscripted television and celebrity culture, reading the tabloids. I mean, I remember even when I was like in the sixth grade, I created like my own tabloid about my peers in the class <laughs> at school. Do you still, do you still have it? No, I don't. It oh, got confiscated. Man. It got confiscated. I went to a, a, a Catholic school. So they were like, Jesus doesn't like gossip. And I was like, well, all right. Um, and so, but I was like, you know, Stuart was seen crying at lunch today. So here's a tip line. Send in tips if you know why. <laughs> like, I was like so into it. I love it. that. And in my head, I'm like, that's like the perfect thing that you should like, maybe just gear the kid in the right direction, you know, versus like shutting it down and confiscating all of my word, Microsoft word designed, you know, tabloids. But so I've always just been obsessed with celebrity and tabloid culture that it just naturally 
you know, developed into the podcast that I have now. But I've you've just, been doing the podcast five or six years, right? It uh, six years as of April. It's been. And what what was that decision to start uh, doing this? And I know you have a YouTube component as well. Yeah. Like what what all let? I mean, like it's it's different to like these things, but yeah. then it's a whole nother thing to want to talk about these things and and work as hard as you do. So I started when, back in when I was in high school, my brother was diagnosed with autism, which kind of opened me up to like, I was really just a sassy kid with a big mouth and no direction, you know, that like was like, I love television one day, I want to be on television, but no real like sense of direction. So when my brother was diagnosed with autism, it gave me an opportunity to like find a purpose. And then I started hosting fundraisers in the community. And once I saw that like thousands of dollars were being raised by this 15 year old kid that didn't know what the hell I was doing or where I was going. I was like, oh, there's a little bit of like, you know, entrepreneurial business mindset savvy that I can hone in on. And I was like, how can I do this? You know, I'm, I'm raising all this awareness and all this money to help kids like my brother. What's a way that I can do this that, you know, also helps me reach the my own career goals of being on like television one day. And so I used to love watching Chelsea lately. So I was like, you know, what? I'm going to do stand up. And so I did stand up for two years. I performed like at the Laugh Factory, the Comedy Store, Gotham in New York, oh like I did wow. everything I could to work my way onto those stages. And like, you know, I've done stand up with Heather McDonald. Like I was 18 years old. Like it's, you know, I did that. And then I realized what a, a grueling sort of life that that was. And I was like, maybe I'll be an actor. So in college, I studied acting for a hot minute. And I was like, actors take themselves way too seriously. So I was like, I'm going to do YouTube. And so I had a YouTube show that was produced with a bunch of the other students, like a, a YouTube talk show with my best friend that we filmed that was like hilarious and such a blast for me. And then they gave it like eight months and they're like, this isn't really bringing in views, which you as a podcaster know that like sometimes it takes a little more than like two months to really see it. Skyrocket. Yeah, it takes a lot of time. Yeah. So Foundation has like, to be big. I was like, there's so much more potential and opportunity here. Like, and everyone just kind of like wanted to walk away from the project because like this takes too much time and we're not making any money off of it. And so I was like, okay. So then at the time I was like, May, there was this new podcast network that had just come up and they were like, we're looking to bring in new talent. And at first I was kind of like, podcast, like this was like when podcasting wasn't what it is now. And I was like, podcast, like I'm an on-camera talent. I'm not a boy. <laughs> and then they were like, well, look, here's the deal. Here's the situation. And it was a small studio, like out of somebody's home and they built an entire studio, but we're using that to build their network. And they're like, come in tape this show, you do it on your own terms and let's just see how it goes. And I started it and I didn't know what I was doing. I had no clear direction. And like over the course of the past six years, it developed into this reality TV obsessed show. Whereas before I would kind of talk pop culture, I would talk reality, I would talk wellness, lifestyle, health, which were all other passions of mine. I would talk like my advocacy work and it didn't have a clear direction. Um, and I wasn't a big enough name to be able to anchor that show as just me being the main attraction. Like it needed a focus. And eventually that focus kind of developed over those years where once I added in the YouTube comp component in 2020, like 2019 to 2021 is really where the show started to, to peak. Yeah, you have to love it. You have to love it. And with anything, you have to stay with it. You know, like, you know, overnight success takes years. I mean, that's years. It, it, uh, and especially with podcasting, because it's not glamorous. There's nothing no. 
glamorous about I'm in my bedroom right now. You know, like there's, you know, you're in your, your kitchen living room right now. Yeah. I mean, quarantine ultimately got it. The studio shut down that I just eventually, and then I was like, I love, I I was at that studio one time. It's a great studio. Yeah. And so I was like, now I really love this, you know, zoom setup here. Like I figured this out enough that like, I don't even know if I'll be going in studio anytime soon, but like, you know, and the transition, like so many people I see, and I'm sure you see this too, where you see podcasters come in the game and they're like, I want to start a podcast and they give it like two hard weeks and they realize it's so much harder than it actually like my show got pulled off of itunes i've lost all of my reviews i had a distribution issue like the show has tanked so many times that i've had to rebuild it over the course of those years that like the resilience is really just it comes from like finding something that you really love and are passionate about like reality tv housewives pop culture whatever and if you love it and enjoy it it doesn't matter if it's taking you hours every single day to bust out an episode like you're doing because it's something that you enjoy and are fulfilled by even though if it's as like silly and fictitious to some people as like oh you're talking about ramona singer like who the fuck is that you know what i mean but if you can, like, Ramona Singer is a gateway drug. If you can talk about Ramona, you can talk about anybody. But also, I mean, for me, it always is like I deal with depression and uh, I know a lot of uh, us do. But it's one of those things is that, you know, a lot of the times I'll wake up and I'll not want to do anything. So you have like two decisions, you know, it's like you can just stay not doing anything or you can have depression and do a podcast. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you might still have depression, but you also have a podcast to show for it. So it kind of like chips away at a depression of like, I still did this, no matter what your mind thinks of yourself or what this, you still have this thing that is a living, breathing thing that you get to talk to other people. You get to, it almost forces you to get out of some kind of like shell that you might be in or your own head. You know, I think we're all doing podcasts in our own head. This actually just takes it a step further. And I think there's nothing but good things, but you're right. It is. I say everybody. Yeah. Everybody try a podcast, but I think it is interesting to see it's not as easy and you do see like, okay, yeah, let's see if I'll see you in a, see if you're here in a couple months, you know, like I, I, and the people that, that are, you know, you realize that really love it and they don't care about, I just, you can sometimes see that when people are like, they want the, the, and it's because it's like, this is so silly. It's not like fame or anything like that, but they want some kind of quick hit of recognition, which I don't even think this is like a good venue for that, but who, who knows? Anyways, I want to hit you with some news I just got, actually. Uh, Kelly Clarkson to take over Ellen DeGeneres' daytime slot. NBC had carried Ellen in major markets and will now fill the void in 2022 with a show it owns, which is the Kelly Clarkson show that was rumored to be happening, but now we have the official announcement. What are your thoughts? I think she's the only person that could fill that spot that would actually be successful. Like, what are we, we're going to put Jerry O'Connell in Ellen DeGeneres' spot? Like, come on. Well, I mean, I think it's like one of those things, right time, right place. I think Kelly Clarkson is one of, she's one of my favorite pop singers, love her to death. And the talk show I, I've watched a couple of times and it's good and all that stuff. I mean, I'm so glad she's going to get the push and she's going to, you know, I don't know if she, I mean, I've never really loved Ellen to begin with. Ellen was a dick the one time I met her, but um, I, I mean, I hope Kelly can do it, but I just hope it doesn't take away from her. I would love to see her in concert again. And I hope, uh, but I mean, it's, it's, she seems like such a great person. So I love that this happens. And I wonder if they will play into the fact that Kelly is supposedly nice to everybody. 
And Ellen has had so many, like not rumors, but like actual people come out and go, oh, she's horrible, you know? Well, you hear stories about Kelly where like, I remember when Whitney Cummings did her show and she was like, you were so thoughtful about the gift that was in my dressing room and the handwritten note that you left me. Whereas most times when you do these talk shows, it's like a generic, you know, branded like merch basket that is left for them, you know, that like. Kelly has a great reputation. Kelly has a great personality and Kelly has like a youthfulness that she brings to that world that like, you don't, it's the same thing about you as a podcaster or something like you can tell you enjoy it. Yeah. Kelly seems like she enjoys it. Like she seems like she gets a kick out of it. Um, yeah. So I, I was really excited to hear that, that news. I was very excited. Um, what right now gets you the most excited what what are you excited to watch what are you like it's not work i just i can i I get swept away um aside from beverly hills which is my favorite franchise which i know is a hot take and people are gonna kill rip me apart in comments for saying that beverly hills is the ultimate supreme franchise uh or show in the franchise of housewives it says a lot about who you are as a person (laughs) it does it does i will I, i i fully acknowledge and embrace that but i was born and raised in los angeles like it's my city um so even though I, I grew up in the hood, I didn't grow up in Beverly Hills. I just had to make that clarification. But oh, I, Sher- Sherman Oaks, I guess. Yeah. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, I love the Hills New Beginnings and I love the Kardashians. Those are probably two shows that get me like excited every week. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to let you know that we find out on tomorrow night's Keeping Up with the Kardashians episode that Kim failed the baby bar. She has been studying to be a lawyer and you have to take a baby bar before the actual bar. And it came out today that Kim failed the baby bar after she had been studying so hard. We saw Scott Disick helping her with flashcards. What are your thoughts on this? I think she... I mean, I have family members that have taken the bar or that have needed to take the bar several times. Like it's not like the actual bar, not the baby bar that like it's it's such a challenge, you know, and watching them go through that struggle of like, you know, graduating and having to take the bar. I wasn't sure I had faith in Kim Kardashian just kind of being like, hey, I'm going to be a lawyer, you guys. And then like kind of speed through all of these obstacles that other people have to face with with accomplishing that. So, I mean, am I surprised? No. Do I think she'll eventually get it? Sure. Do I think she'll have a new career as a lawyer down the line? You know, I can see her being like a modern Gloria Allred. Oh, wow. (laughs) Wait, wait. I want you to say that again so I can pull that clip. I feel like I'm going to embarrass you with that at some point. Um, a modern day Gloria. Oh, I mean, no. I mean, I actually, I was, I keep saying this. I really, I mean, not Caitlin. Like, yeah, baby, I'm Caitlin. I'm going to be the governor. Yeah. I could see Kim being the governor of California before Caitlin. I, I really, well, I mean, here's the deal. Like, I've always, like, the, the whole lawyer aspect and the prison reform has made me really turned a corner on Kim because she does not have to do any of this part of it. Like to me, the fact of even wanting to do this really, I think spoke volumes about her. And I hope, I hope she doesn't give up. I hope this is because it's like anything you do fail a bunch to get to that next level. And, you know, I guess she was like 70 points from uh, passing, which is a lot, I guess, you know, but, um, but to pick this up at this age, um, I think that's just incredible. I mean, you don't, I mean, I guess, Courtney's running her poosh empire, but you don't see a lot of other things. Um, It is interesting. You say Hills and the Kardashians are two of your favorite shows and Beverly Hills, because I will say those are three of the best looking shows. Yeah. So you like things that look good. 
I like things that look good. Like you, I want you to have like abs. Um, <laughs> It'll never happen. It'll never. I mean, I, I can just have one ab. Like, I wonder what it's like to feel like you have abs. In fact, um, Elliot Page, uh, who um, uh, transitioned, yes. uh, um, and uh, I'm not going to say his dead name, but uh, was the star of Juno. I think you guys know who I'm talking about. Transitioned and posted a uh, shirtless photo of himself uh, near that. a pool. And this fucker had like a six pack. And I'm like, mother fucker. Like, I'm, I, it, I, I'm like, Elliot Page has abs. I don't even have one ab. Okay. Like I, what I love about, I, what I love about, like, I'm, I'm going to make fun of Elliot Page as much as that's, that's as fair as I'll get to anybody is that I'm jealous now of Elliot Page and Elliot Page's abs. See, to be fair though, Elliot Page, Elliot was a very slender individual like for many years that always had very um, like muscle tone, you know yeah. what I mean? That like, it's easier for a very slim person to like put on an ab and then you see it right away. You know, it's a lot harder. Like for me, it's a lot harder to get abs because I was like a really big chunky monkey back in the day. I had like big boobs and I would, I went to an all boys high school. So I would charge them like $5 to like grab a field ski. <laughs> it, <laughs> It, close your eyes and just grab this <laughs> um so and trust me when you go to an all boys school they're horny enough to do it so um you know it's it, for me it's a lot harder to get abs because like my my tummy's a little saggier that like my body you know i have stretch marks that my body has changed that when you have a lot of weight or when you lose a lot of weight it's not as easy to kind of you know show that off i have to work really hard to have the little abs that i do have but i mean props to Elliot because that's a bang and bod it real i mean i was i was extremely jealous i was like i was like oh great now i have to be jealous of elliot page too as well as everybody else uh here's another story i want to hit, hit you with kendall jenner just released her 818 tequila and she's been accused of uh, cultural appropriation all of that stuff but there's a new there's a tequila 512 and it really is very similar to 818 tequila 512 is a but it it, it she's getting called out for like these Kardashians. I don't know if it's their management that takes other ideas and like presents them as their own. Like I do not think Kendall Jenner, do you think Kendall Jenner at all said, mom, I want a tequila company or do you think it was presented to her? Um, I think it was probably presented to, I'm sure she enjoys tequila, but like you think about it, Kim Kardashian was being offered like alcohol endorsement deals, like seasons one and two of keeping up with the Kardashians. Alcohol and celebrity are two things that always go together. And the alcohol brand beverage community is always going to try and find a way to leverage that and get around the legalities of, you know, promoting an alcohol brand. Now you have like George Clooney that came out with the tequila brand. Like tequila is just the. I mean, George Clooney started, uh, had a tequila brand with Randy Gerber, uh, Cindy Crawford's husband. And people don't know they sold that tequila. Like he is, George Clooney yeah. is beyond wealthy. He's like, has a, you know, castle in Rome rich yeah. here in, in Italy, uh, in Como, Italy, people don't realize how wealthy George Clooney is. And it's not from the movies, you know? No, 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 no. He was a very smart businessman. And so I think because you had case stories like him, I mean, even Ciroc, that's what Diddy's vodka, like yeah. occasionally you have a, a couple of those that like really stand out. And I think when it comes to Kendall Jenner, I'm sure she enjoyed drinking tequila as most people her age are appreciating tequila and mezcal because it's the popular drink at the moment. 
Um, and so the management team probably came to her. It was either her being like, oh, that would be kind of cool. And management was like, let's jump on it. Or somebody approached management and they're like, who would be the best of the Kardashian girls to do this? Kendall, you know, and so I don't yeah, know if this yeah. is truly. I wonder her- if they're disappointed to get Kendall. They were like, we were hoping for Chloe, but we got Kindle. You know, yeah. like, I wonder if oh, there's yeah. like, let's target the ones. Or at least um, Courtney and make it organic. Oh, my God. I. It is. What do you think about the Kardashians moving to Hulu from see my problem with this season is they're trying to do this tearful farewell when it's not a farewell at all, because they're pretty much from what I hear taking the same concept of the show. It's going to call it something different and put it over to Hulu. So I feel like it undercuts any kind of emotional weight that this season has. What do you think? Well, I think it has to be different because you have Courtney, Kendall, and Kylie that don't give a shit about this show. They don't want to put anything into it. It's really only Chloe, Kim, and Chris is even one foot in, one foot out. You know, it's really just Chloe and Kim that actually care about and and Scott. Like Scott in this final season is like doing everything he can to hold on to this fame because I think he knows like, you know, making headlines for dating 19-year-old girls is only going to get him so far. So I think it's going to have to be different than keeping up with the Kardashians. And when they announced it, they said that it's going to be global content. So I'm assuming this is more than just one show, but it's going to be like Chelsea Handler when she left E to go to Netflix and they gave her uh, stand-up specials and documentary yeah. series and her own talk show that I would imagine that's the type of content. Like the Kardashians are going to bring something different that'll be reality-based, but also documentary-based. So maybe we'll get to see Candle Kendall overseas looking for like a Neho beans for tequila. Like we'll, we'll get, get the her. real backstory about her tequila. Or it'd be great if the Kardashians just go overseas to like see like what's the next great cultural appropriation, you know? I would love to see Kendall Jenner do like a Zach Efron style show. I well, I mean, Kendall thinks of her, I feel like Kendall thinks of herself as the poet of the Kardashians. Yeah. Whereas like Courtney now has rebranded herself as the alternative Kardashian. And it is fascinating to see how all of this uh goes. Um, one of the biggest pop culture stories in the last week, Ben Affleck, J Lo, Jennifer, Benifer, however we want to call it, Jopez. Uh, what do you think of it? Oh my God. I mean, she <laughs> Go for it. You go, girl. Like at this point, none of the other relationships have worked out. Why not? I mean, if she's going to love him with that back tattoo, nobody else will. I mean, it. he'll never, I don't think, you know, he, Jennifer, nobody is pegging Ben Affleck because why would they look at that tattoo? You know, like, could you, you know, it's it just, it's a, if you guys don't know, he has like a Phoenix tattoo or like a dragon tattoo. It's like the boy with the dragon tattoo. It's just all over his back. And he tried to lie to everybody and say it was for a movie, but it wasn't, it's his actual back tattoo. And it's one of the string of bad decisions Ben Affleck has made in his life. But I was, I'm all for it. But then I got to say, I woke up today and there was more paparazzi photos of them at the gym. So they've had three days of gym paparazzi photos. And JLo is always like doing something active. Like she was meditating in these and he is smoking cigarettes in each one. And I got to say, if we're judging from the paparazzi photos, I think Ben is a little nervous about this relationship. He's just constantly smoking in all of these shots and they're different days. I also think that like she lives a very different life in 
the media and pop culture, whereas he's a little more reserved. He's a little more quiet. He's not actively trying to make headlines. I thought that, but then like, how, what is the excuse for him always be like somebody brought up the Anna de Arnas photos uh, from earlier in the pandemic. He, you know, the, the, the rehab was very heavily like Jennifer Garner. He seems for somebody that is reserved and not courting seems to always be in the public eye. And it's not because he's like so exciting to follow. I mean, I guess a lot of stuff happens to him, but I don't think of him. It's weird. He still manages to come off as not salacious, even though we've pretty much been documented at every stage of his life. I mean, it could just be his team trying to keep him relevant since he hasn't had any big notable roles in the past couple years. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot that can go into that that's not necessarily him driving that, but the machine behind him trying to just make sure he has a face to keep up. Um, I just think she enjoys so much more of the attention than he does. Like she does commercials with A-Rod and she does interviews about him. And like, there was just so much more attention on her and she loves the attention. And I think she loves the attention because she loves people like idolizing her as like, oh my God, she's so, she's X years old, but she looks so great. And, you know, just like praising her in that way um, that I think, the attention is probably coming more for, and I think she also, this could also be a total PR move to save her from the embarrassment of losing a rod because it's now come out that like he was. I love that. Like what if, what if Ben's like, let's give the people what they want. Yeah. You back in the spotlight. Yeah. I kind of like that. That would be, you know, there could be like a can't buy me love. If you guys remember that movie, we could do a reboot of that movie with JLo and Ben Affleck, where the movie, he, the, the nerd pays like a couple thousand dollars to this girl to like, act like, uh, you know, that, that she's his girlfriend for a couple of weeks and it works and he becomes really popular again. That could be the JLo Ben Affleck and a can't buy me love reboot. I love that. Who is the worst, uh, celebrity you've ever talked to? Um, there, I would say the worst celebrity I've ever had to work with is Courtney Stodden. Okay. Now that she's really up in the news lately, Chrissy Teigen, Chrissy Teigen has for all intents and purposes been canceled because of Courtney Stodden recently, because it came out that, uh, Chrissy Teigen, uh, released tweets, I think in like 2011 or something about like, you know, why don't you take a dirt nap and was really like cutting and brutal, which is what Twitter is. Um, but these are all coming to light and Courtney Stodden, like, you know, was doing interviews saying Chrissy Teigen, you know, wanted me to kill myself. What was your experience with Courtney Stodden? I think Courtney Stodden is a terrible person that is (laughs) desperate to be in the spotlight. And I, so I, I don't even think I've really talked about this on my podcast. I was booked to co-host Courtney Stodden's podcast. Um, Oh my God. So I, the pitch that was given to me originally, it was like, we're testing people. We would love to have you come and test with her. And I was kind of like, I don't know if I'm interested in that, but like, they're like, you would be great. This will be so great for you. You're going to be so famous after this. And I'm just like, fine, I'll test. I didn't realize that there really was no test that I had already been green light to green lit to be the co-host on this show. And so there was me, there was a producer, and then there was Courtney and we were like the three panel on the show. And it was, the show was called, this is Courtney Stodden. And it was a video podcast in addition to the audio. But my experience working with her was like, she just was like she was always late she would always cancel the day of she would bring her dog into studio and her dog would like pee on the floor and then 
like she would laugh about it and expect the producers to come in and like clean that up that it was just there was an assistant that was brought in one time that was like terrible to the producers and that like I even had like an interesting exchange with because this he was like so rude and was like trying to direct the podcast I'm like who the fuck are you to even come in and like try to tell people how to do their jobs like it was just the there always had to be alcohol on set or weed like never that that was that was because that was because of you no, that was not because of me. I wish that were because of me. I was told I wasn't allowed to drink. Um, so, and then on top of that, I the biggest red flag for me was just that I noticed that there was always a need to try and make a headline. You know, there was, in addition to her just being like terrible to work with, it was like she would bring up stories like this fight with Bethany or this fight with Jenny McCarthy that was really non-existent, but she would play it up because she knew that it would make headlines that would then, you know, keep her relevant in the news. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, well I mean, she, she had a very busy pandemic. I mean, she dated Brian Austin Green and she busted she him out. out and No, which he came out and said was never real, that she had him record a video for her friend that she used months later. Yeah, she put that video out. And then uh, this whole thing with Chrissy Teigen, which by the way, I, you know, I, I think, you know, people like love to pick sides, but to like Chrissy Teigen can be potentially horrible and Courtney Stodden can also be potentially horrible. It's not like one has to be great and one has to be wrong. Like both people can be horrible, you know? Courtney Stodden is horrible and I quit that podcast and it got canceled because there was nobody like she like it was just it was so, hard to bounce off her. so many more stories like to come from that experience that I will spare you from. But like it was just she's attention seeking and likes to be in the media. So a lot of the things that she comes out with, I don't always fully uh, like believe right away just because I have my own experience with her, but, and I, I'll be honest with you. I haven't read the Chrissy tweets. I've heard of the story. I haven't been interested in seeing what Courtney has to say about it, but you know, I, from what I've seen, Chrissy has taken, you know, she's like, I'm sorry. I was a troll, whatever, whatever. But well, yeah, I mean, when you play on Twitter, you're in that sandbox, but it is the Chrissy stuff fascinates me just from like a, if you step away and look at it of like why somebody wants to be in the public eye that much, it kind of goes into what the conversation we've been talking about is here is somebody that has courted publicity a lot, Chrissy, you know, and, and Chrissy actually has a real talent. She's a great chef. I mean, those cookbooks like are, are real. Those are tangible things. Why want to be known for anything else? Why want to be known as a talking head? Why want to be known as like you actually have a real time hey if i could fucking play the piano like a genius you wouldn't hear me on a podcast like you would hear me and like some kind of piano piano bar no um you know what i'm saying i mean she could even do something like she could have been the perfect cocktails with chloe host where she was the entertainer or over served with lisa vanderpump i feel like that's a great forum for chrissy because it makes her an entertainer which she enjoys doing but she can also incorporate her culinary aspect you know which you said she's such a talent with you know she yeah. has bookware line she has the cookbooks that like she can utilize her personality and her talents to like do something really great instead of just like ranting on twitter we talked about this sh on on your show is that the second screen uh you know this this social media plays a huge part now with housewives with bravo with anybody and i feel like it's i feel like it's necessary at times but then com becomes completely unnecessary and something that just gets them in trouble and makes these shows less interesting because the show starts being played out on twitter than instead of on the actual show 
Mm-hmm. I yeah, and it, it ruins the experience once the show airs four months later. Yeah, exactly. Then it becomes like people are catching up. Half the people uh, are know what they're talking about, but are like not happy with how they're talking about it. And half the people don't know what they're talking about at all. Who has your been your best interview besides me? <laughs> um, my best interview. It's so hard because like for me, I love bringing on these reality stars to obviously talk salacious gossip. But at the same time, I love humanizing them and having genuine conversations. Like when I had Sheena on, we talked about her miscarriage and we had a very real Real, conversation with Ariana. We talked about mental health and depression, especially during quarantine. With Lala, we talked about grief and the loss of her father and her alcoholism. Yeah. And of course, none of those parts ended up making any of the headlines, but like it was just it's nice to have those types of conversations. But if I had to pick one, I would say it was my 100th podcast episode. And I had a real honest conversation with Jenny McCarthy, who I had worked with and I've I've known her for well over 10 years now. But I um, have worked with her since I was like 15, 16 years old. So just seeing her as a an entertainer as a businesswoman, and then being able to take somebody that was like a mentor and be able to talk to them and pick their brain in that sort of way, like in that interview format was just really special for me. That's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, I know Courtney wasn't, you know, you were on her show, but did, have you ever had, I mean, what's been your toughest interview personally on your show? The toughest interview. Um, I've had some, I have had some bad ones. Um, there was one girl who Kayla, Kayla Casillas, I think was her name. She was on the MTV's like the challenge show. She was like the bad girl that did all of those shows. And she was just awful to interview because like she didn't want to answer any of the questions. She didn't want to play any of the games. She didn't want to like do it. Like she was just very difficult to like interview, which, you know, when you are coming on a show, like you have to know whether you find a creative way to dodge the question fine but like don't just be like i'm not answering that like i hate (laughs) interviews like that or i'm not playing that game um over the pandemic what has this uh you know coming out of the pandemic what have you done with the pandemic how did it change you or the podcast uh we're coming out of it now like you know who is zach now you know it's it's interesting i feel like this the pandemic and the quarantine has really pushed people. And I remember saying this like kind of in the beginning when all production got shut down. I'm like, I'm really curious to see how creative we get with things and how creative we push the envelope with creating content in the future. So like for me, video became a really big component because it, became so much easier instead of hiring my cameraman to film the podcast, I was able to do a lot of this from home. So it really helped me grow my podcast just in a video format and realize like video is a format that is best for me. And so on a professional level, it's pushed me. And then I more on a personal level, but it it transitions into the podcast and ultimately was kind of the development of this wine was um, my grandmother passed away uh, earlier in this year. And she was like my mother, FaceTimed her three times a day, spent every weekend with her, lived with her until I was 25. And so losing that, and she was such a young, and she she went very suddenly and had so much life still left in her that if you would have saw her, you would have thought she was my mother and not my grandma. Um, But losing her and going through this past year, like just made me realize like life is short and it can be taken away from you at any minute. So like 
take challenges, take risks, like don't sit around being unhappy and unfulfilled in your life, like go for it. So for me, developing an alcohol brand is something I wanted to do since I was 19. And I was talking to distilleries about how to launch my own vodka brand. And so for me, it was like when this opportunity presented itself, I sat on it for a while. And then I was kind of like, you know what? No, I'm going to go all in and I'm really going to invest in this because life is short. I want to live it to its fullest and experience as much as I can. And I think hopefully a lot of us are coming out of this past year with that same sort of energy of like, life can be gone at in any moment, you know, or it can be stripped away of us, our essentials or our jobs can be taken away at any minute that like, you have to just go all in and do what's going to wake, like light you up to wake up every morning. I love that. So I love that answer so much. And, and, and finally, um, what tea do you got? What do we, what, what do you got? What do you hear rumors about? I mean, I know you said earlier, you know, they said Vanderpump rules. I'm hearing it's a great season so far. What else, what else do we need to be aware of? Is uh, there anything that you're, you're sitting on right now? It's interesting. I know there was um, some recent tea that came to me was about Max Boyant's exit from Tom Tom and how yes. it related to the reason he ended up leaving was not because he wanted more money and in insurance, but because he wasn't paid money. And he often got into big arguments with Ken because Ken was refusing to pay the kitchen staff at TomTom to the point where like there were actual TomTom had to close down certain days because the staff walked out and were like, we're not working if we don't get paid. And so, so which leads the other rumors about Lisa and Ken not paying employees at Sir or like having financial issues with the, um, the the people that they're renting from like it just leads to like there's clearly some bigger financial issues that are going on with Lisa and Ken. Wow. Okay. I love that. And by the way, would have loved to have seen that on this season of Vanderpump Rules, but I guess you know yeah. we don't want the reality of that situation. Um, so guys, you know he is Zach Peter. The podcast is hashtag No Filter. Uh, we're gonna get him to tell us uh, about his wine one more time. But also, I want to point out, um, like I say with every podcast person that shares their time with us, it's great to go subscribe. It's great to leave five stars. We were actually talking about somebody there's somebody that we potentially know in the podcast community that's going around leaving, you know, potentially scathing reviews because this person, you know, is just insane. So you always got to combat crap like that by leaving somebody five stars. It's like a super easy thing to do. And I used to joke around and say it, but like, it actually does help. So please go leave him five stars. Uh, and if you haven't done it for me, uh, please do that as well. And if you have anything critical to say, just email me. Don't put it in a review. Just uh, email me or I'll give you my personal phone number. How else do we support the wine? I'm going to get the wine soon, you guys. I'll be doing a taste test on the pod. Um, how, how do we get this? So the wine is available June 10th at nofilterwine.com. As of right now, you can go to nofilterwine.com and just sign up to be notified. But the wine goes on sale June 10th. And like I said, like they're fun designs. I'm ready to mention it all. I stole Kim's goddamn house. I'm ready to flip a table. Now tell me who gon' check me, boo. Like these are such fun, iconic, like, like moments in Housewives history that like we can watch we can drink I Stole Kim's Goddamn House while watching Beverly Hills. That's kind of what it was designed for so that we can sip the wine together while watching these shows since we're all on Instagram yelling at the TV on Instagram Live or in our stories already anyway. Um, you know, now we kind of just get to do it over this delicious rosé. So I mean, you should you should have won the big shot with Bethany. This is... You okay. should have been the entrepreneur on this. I was in talks to being uh, to be a contestant on the big shot with Bethany. 
and the I mean, per- you would have been great. See that I would I, I see what I mean. God, that would have been and great. You would have been great was, on that. I was too honest in being like, but I don't want to work for Bethany. I mean, the, when the when it came across and you do all the interviews and everything, I was like, but I don't want to actually work for Bethany, which I didn't. You know, I well, didn't. I don't, I don't think the winner actually does work for Bethany. I mean, like I don't see. I, I the thing with the big shot with Bethany, they I just didn't think they did a good job of explaining any of the characters. We didn't care about any of the characters. You know, like DJ Nicole wow. Rose was the only one I cared about and that was just because because she had such a big personality that it couldn't be contained exactly yeah and it's like we always gravitate towards those people first on reality reality shows and if you're like a you know a different kind of person it sometimes takes episodes to catch up to you you know I would have loved to have seen somebody that wasn't as manic as DJ Rose, but had like that same type of energy that would have gone head to head like we kind of saw it with Wendy but like Wendy I don't think any of them were really that interesting. Like they had. Like really- when you say Wendy, I'm like, I don't even remember who yeah. Wendy is. I mean, like I don't remember their names except for DJ Nicole Rose. Um, yeah. uh, did you like, do you like Leah? I know you like Rena. I don't like Leah. I, I gave her a chance the first season. I was like, this is a breath of fresh air. And then at the reunion and after the reunion, like it was just too much. You know what I mean? Like even when we had the scene where they were at the winery and she's badgering Ramona about the antibodies. And it's like Ramona in her head truly believes that she gave the antibodies. And like now that she's been caught in front of everybody, she's not just going to own up to it. You know what I mean? But Leah was like badgering her in it that I'm just like, you're trying too hard and you're already such a great reality story that you don't need to force conflict especially like with Heather, you didn't need to go and bring up all of these receipts. Like you don't need to force conflict. You're so good at just being entertaining as it is. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to swipe left on Leah. I hope she gets better, but I just like, she's the way I describe her on my show is it's like when you, you can like chocolate, but if you eat three bars of chocolate, you're going to be like, Oh, I feel sick. It's too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens the rest of the season. And I really loved last night's episode. And I'm really excited to watch Beverly Hills tonight because I really did did love the season premiere of Beverly Hills. I know we both agree. I think we we both think Kathy is great. Um, How do we, so nofilterwine.com is where we find the wine, where we sign up. Uh, The podcast is hashtag nofilter with Zach Peter. Uh, What is the Instagram account? Um, My personal one is at justplainzach and the show account is at nofilterwithzach. No filter with Zach and episodes come out when we do news break. We do news breakdowns and recaps on Mondays and then Wednesdays are unfiltered interviews. And the YouTube is where youtube.com slash just plain Zach. So you can watch the show there. Well, we're talking to a podcast mogul, folks. Uh, please go out and support his wine, and I'm sure he'll be back. And also, really go listen to the episode that I did with Zach. It was a really great conversation that I know you guys will really, really enjoy. So thanks so much for being here, dude. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate you. Five, four. Betches.